When God remembers us, He's acting on our behalf. When we remember the Lord, we are being obedient to Him. We are loving Him, treasuring Him. And this theme of remembering and forgetting runs through the whole canon of the Scriptures. Remember the serpent, Satan's question. Did God say? Did God say that? Implying what? Now is the time for Adam and Eve to remember God, to obey Him. Jesus is the demonstration. Jesus is the embodiment that God remembers His promises. You look at Jesus and you see that God is a God who remembers. Since Genesis 3.15 when He promised that the seed of the womb will come to crush the head of the serpent and rescue his people from their sins. Please open your Bibles to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. And then you can also turn, keep one finger there, and then turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. All right, please stand. Let's read, first of all, Luke chapter 22. Starting verse 14. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to his disciples, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I, tell you, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three: For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. You may be seated. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts will be pleasing, pleasing to you. And as little Samuel once said, speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening. So our ears are open. And those who do not have their ears open, Lord, we pray that you'd open their ears. Have mercy on the lost for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Today is the last day of 2023. A new year is coming. And oftentimes with a new year, 
we have new resolutions. There's one man who is very well known in the Christian history for his resolutions. And that man is Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards remains one of the most important American theologians and philosophers. And as a young man, Jonathan Edwards resolved in his heart to live a life of holiness dedicated to God himself. And part of Jonathan Edwards' resolutions was to always remember, remember his sins, remember his weakness, and remember the power and the grace of God in his life. So, for example, Resolution 37, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Resolved to inquire every night as I'm going to bed, wherein I have been negligent, what sin I have committed, and wherein I have denied myself, and also at the end of every week, month, and year. Meaning he's resolved to remember, to bring to mind the areas in his life where he fell, where he sinned against God, against others, and to change that by the power and grace of God. Another example, Resolution 40. He says, resolved to inquire, to remember every night before I go to bed, whether I have acted in the best way I possibly could with respect to eating and drinking. Meaning, I'm resolved to remember, to bring to my mind, to action, what areas of my life I have not been glorifying the Lord with eating, with my physical body, drinking. Resolution 10, it says, Resolved, when I feel pain, to remember, to think of the pains of martyrdom and hell. Meaning, every time I go through a, a, a time of pain, I will bring to mind, I will remember the pain of those who are dying for Christ. And also, I will remember the pain of those who are in hell. And you will see how your pain at that moment is absolutely nothing. Like Jonathan Edwards, we must, we must be resolved to always remember. Remember the gospel. Remember the cross of Christ. Remember our sins. Remember the painful situations of our past. And never forget who our God is. The Christian life is a life that can only be lived through the power of remembering who God is and what He has accomplished on our behalf. The Christian life, brothers and sisters, can only be lived when we are remembering who God is and what He has accomplished for us. So, what I want to do today is to trace a biblical exposition. We're going to trace this theme of remembering, forgetting throughout the Bible. That's a vital, a vital aspect of the Christian life. And I think we have been, been very negligent in relation to remembering. And as we are coming towards the end of this year, how powerful, how precious, how vital it is for us to stop and remember the goodness, the kindness of our God towards us. We cannot afford, we cannot afford spiritual amnesia. So, 
And then when I come back, we get back to the book of Titus. So here's the outline. First, the biblical concept of remembering, you're going to see how that's different from the concept that we have in our English language. And then we're going to look at the drama of forgetting and remembering by tracing through the, from Genesis to Revelation. Then we're going to look at the God who remembers his people and his promises, the people who remember their God and his promises. And then we're going to be looking finally to the worship, the Lord's Supper, and the importance of remembering. So, what does it mean to remember? Somebody wants to ask you, what does it mean to remember? In English language, you often use remember for what? Recollection of something that took place that you forgot. So uh, we, we often use remembering is, I cannot remember where I put the keys. I forgot where my cell phone is. Right? That's how we often use the, the terminology of remembering. And there is sometimes in the Bible when remembering is used in that way. So, for example, when the disciples forgot to bring bread on the journey with Jesus. So, it literally is that just like we say, they forgot. But most often throughout the scriptures, remembering is much more profound than just recollecting something to your mind. The word remember throughout the Bible is predominantly used to something that's active and effective. Remembering affects one's lifestyle. When you remember something, you are acting upon that thing that you're remembering. So we could say that remembering, according to the scriptures, denotes thoughtful consideration of something that, one's ha that one has deliberately called to mind with a view to taking action on it. That's very important. The idea, the picture of remembering is you're bringing to your mind with the purpose of putting into action. You're going to act upon what you're remembering. So, for example, in Luke 17, 32, Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. What is he telling the disciples? Hey, Whenever you are walking, just remember that Lot had a wife. Is that what he's saying? Hey, just remember. Remember that in the Old Testament, there was a man called Lot, and he had a wife. Is that what Jesus is saying? No, he's saying, remember Lot's wife. Remember her lifestyle. Remember that she loved the world, that she loved Sodom more than she loved God. And do not follow her lifestyle. Remember Lot's wife. Bring to your heart and to application. Do not be like her. Do not look back. It's not just, oh, yeah, I remember Lot's wife, and you keep going through your life. No. You remember, and that's going to have action in your life. Or when the man was hanging on the cross, remember he says, Jesus... Remember me, the other rebel there on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What is he asking Jesus? Hey, when you come to the kingdom, when the doors of heaven is open and you enter as the glorious king, just remember that there was another rebel hanging by your side. Is that what the man is saying? Have a thought about me there. No, it's remember me, save me, bring me with you into your kingdom. It's just like in the Old Testament. Remember me, O God. Meaning, act on my behalf. 
Save me. Deliver me. Similarly, Joseph, last Sunday we were in Genesis. Joseph, when he's in prison, he asked the cupbearer, Only remember me when it's well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. What is Joseph asking the cupbearer? Hey, when you're out and enjoy your freedom, just have a thought about me. No, remember me. Show kindness to me. Rescue me. Help me. Action. So the dictionary of biblical imagery has a good definition. It says, the biblical notion of remembrance extends far beyond nostalgic recall. It embraces a comprehensive range of human experiences for the purpose of fully integrating faith and life for the goal, the purpose of complete obedience to God. That's why the teacher, the Kolath in Ecclesiastes, the, the, the teacher who is writing Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, 1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. What is he saying? Hey, while you're young and enjoy and parting hard, just have a thought about God. Just remember that there is a Creator. No! He's saying, serve the Creator, be faithful to Him, love Him, treasure Him, obey Him. When you're young, and the temptation is to just forsake God. Remember, it's very much a covenantal aspect, covenantal obedience. David Powell, he writes, in the context of the covenant, to remember God is not simply to bring God back to one's mind. Instead, acts of remembering lead one to, to be obedient to the covenant stipulations and the will of the sovereign Lord. In this way, remembering is not concerned simply with the past, but it forces one to deal squarely with one's present life within the covenantal relationship. So to remember the past necessarily will affect your present. That's the biblical aspect. You see, we, we can talk about in English that you, oh, I can remember, or I remember that day, I remember that occasion, and that has no effect in your life. Right? Oh, I remember the day when the car had no gas and I was stuck in traffic and have no application in your life. No, remembering must affect your life. To remember must lead to action, biblically speaking. That's why the psalmist says, I remember your name in the night. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and what? And I go back to sleep. I remember your name at night, and then I just go back to sleep. It was good. I thought about you, Lord. No, I remember your name at night, and I what? Obey. And I obey your commandments. So remembering leads to obedience. The same we can say forgetting. So the opposite is to forget. To forget. In this context, is to commit treason, idolatry. Throughout the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for forgetting most frequently refers to Israel, past, present, future failure to remain loyal to the covenant Lord. So think about in natural terms, amnesia, lack of memory, is deeply destructive, right? When somebody's going through amnesia, lack of memory, that's deeply destructive, destroys relationships. When you start losing your memory, 
It's really hard to hang out with people. Alzheimer's. Start getting secluded. And that applies much more to the spiritual life. You start forgetting God and His goodness. And suddenly you're wandering around and committing treason towards Him. Paul, he says, to forget God then is to break covenant relationship. To remember Him, on the other hand, is to move away from a focus on oneself and to put God at the center of one's life. So that's the biblical understanding of remembering and forgetting. It's, it's very important to see as a covenantal action of loyalty. When God remembers us, He's acting on our behalf. When we remember the Lord, we are being obedient to Him. We are loving Him, treasuring Him. And this theme of remembering and forgetting runs through the whole canon of the Scriptures. So, that's our next step here. The drama of forgetting and remember. We could say that the story of the Bible can be summarized in this drama of remembering and forgetting. A God who remembers His people, remembers His promises. And a people who constantly forget who God is. Abandoning, murmur, grumble. In Genesis 3, the beginning of the Bible, remember the serpent, Satan's question. Did God say? Did God say that? Implying what? Now is the time for Adam and Eve to remember God, to obey Him, to remember. Remember. Remember to treasure, to love, to obey. Did God say that was the time for Adam and Eve to remember God and obey Him? And love him. And treasure him. But no, they forgot God. They broke covenant with God. And then you keep following the history of the Bible. We have the nation of Israel. That's basically a recapitulation of Adam. And also Israel. The nation of Israel constantly forgets God. Right? Right after being delivered. They forget God. And they start murmuring and grumbling. So... That happens with Abraham, King David. They all are unable to perfectly, consistently remember God and be faithful to the covenant. That's why we need Jesus Christ, the perfect one. And he comes and he remembers the Father perfectly. He remembers the word of the Father perfectly. That's why when Satan tempts him, and instead of being like Adam, who forgets God, he remembers he remembers the word of God, meaning he applies the word of God to his life. So, and the Bible closes with God for remembering. In Revelation, Revelation 16, Revelation 18, talks about, about God remembering the sins of Babylon. Meaning what? He's about to bring judgment. He will act on behalf of his people. He will be, bring judgment to those who are persecuting his people. So, Let's just move quickly. There's so much. I'll send you my notes. I have a lot to, to cover here. This whole week, I was just immersed in this topic. I just was beautiful, and I need to run fast here because time is short, and the subject is vast. So we're going to go through the Old Testament first. Remember, I, I prefer the structure of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, where you have 
the law, the prophets, and the writings. I, I have a whole series. It's on the YouTube, I think, or the sermon audio, from creation to new creation, where I explain why I think that's the best organization of the scriptures. By starting in the Torah, the first five books, we see the first reference to remembering is God remembering Noah. And God remembered Noah. And what happens? He remembers Noah and he does something. He stops with the flood. Do you see? It's not just, oh, Noah came to my mind. No, he's remembering a covenantal sense. He remembers Noah, therefore he stops the flood. It's done. Genesis 19. Once again, covenantal context. Abraham, Abrahamic covenant. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered who? Abraham. He remembers Abraham and he rescues Abraham. Once again, remembering is a covenantal aspect of God where he's acting with faithfulness, kindness, chesed towards his subject. We could move to, there are many other, but let's move to Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, right? The opening of Exodus. And why is God coming to redeem? Why is God coming to save Israel? Why is the Exodus? Because God remembered his promises to the patriarchs. Therefore, he's coming to act. Remembering leads to what? Action. Remembering, action. That's what we see taking place. Uh, Exodus 20. In Exodus 20... As the, we're skipping because we could go to Genesis. We're going to talk about Genesis 12, where the Passover and God tells that they must institute the Passover as a feast to remember. But let's move to Exodus 20. As he's giving the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath. What is the Lord saying? Hey, on the Sabbath, just have this thought that today is the seventh day of the week. And then go on with your day. Is that what the Lord's saying? Hey, just remember that today is the Sabbath and go be happy. No, remember the Sabbath means you must obey my commandments related to the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath is treasure my commandments related to the Sabbath. You think about all the feasts that are instituted in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the feasts that we have there. And all those feasts... They're very important for remembering what God has accomplished. That's why sometimes it, the word used is memorial. Memorial. The, the Hebrew word for memorial is the root word for related to remembering. So you think about the tabernacle, all the ceremonies were God's means to remind his people of profound truth about creation, redemption, judgment. There were two major days I, that I see under the Old Covenant. There was the Feast of Passover and the Day of Atonement. Those were the major days. One was the feast celebrating redemption that God has come to rescue us. That's Passover. And then the Day of Atonement is how we are going to keep living with that God by Having forgiveness of sins. How we are going to accomplish forgiveness of sins. The day of atonement. And both the Passover and the day of atonement. Were taking God's people back to the past. To remind them of what God had accomplished. On their behalf. Think about the day of atonement. When 
the high priest would be performing the reversal of the Garden of Eden. You see, they're remembering what happened in the Garden of Eden, where Adam, who was a high priest figure, was expelled, and the cherubims were guarding the entrance. And now you have with the Day of Atonement is a high priest who is an Adam-like figure going through the gates that had pictures of cherubim coming into God's presence. Remembering, remembering what happened, remembering that redemption is only through the blood. So Michael Morales, he says, the annual re-entry into the Garden of Eden, that is the, the liturgy of the Day of Atonement, called on both memory and faith. You look back to Adam's failure and expulsion from the Garden of Eden, but you also look forward as a prophetic ritual to the last Adam's reopening of Eden entrance through the blood of the covenant. And in his book, he has a beautiful picture where you can see how by the celebration of the Day of Atonement, they are remembering what happened in the Garden of Eden. And how by God's mercy and grace through the sacrifice, they can do that in the present and in the future. There will be a much better way through the Messiah of Genesis 3.15. So you can see how, how much of the Old Testament was remembering God. How much of the worship was grounded in remembering, being mindful of who God is. The memory of the past was to empower them to live with hope for a better redemption in the present. As we move to the prophets, the book of Judges, the earlier prophets, the book of Judges, it opens telling us why they are in the situation that they are in the book of Judges. It says, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, Judges 3, and they what? They what? They forgot, broke covenant. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served Baals. To forget God leads to idolatry. There's so much you could go through the old, especially you move to Samuel, the book of Samuel, Joshua. Where they're supposed to be remembering, reminders, memorials. Moving to the latter prophets, Jeremiah, the, a beautiful, the most glorious promise in Jeremiah 31, 34. As the Lord is speaking of the new covenant, he promises that their sins, what? I will remember no more. Meaning, I will not judge them according to their sins. Sins. The book of Zechariah. Zechariah is interesting because Zechariah literally means, his name means Yahweh remembers. And so much of the book is telling that God has not forgotten his promises to his people. That the Messiah will come and save his people. So for example, Zechariah 13 two says, And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, so that they shall be remembered no more. Meaning, with the coming of the Messiah, God's people will have a new heart and they will remember idols no more. They will not be serving idols. They will be serving the Lord Jesus. Malachi, the last book of the Minor Prophets, the book of the Twelve, ends with, Remember, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him. What is he telling the people? Just think about Moses. What does it mean to remember the law of Moses? 
Talk to me. Talk to me. To follow it. What? Remember the law of Moses. What does he mean? Obey. Treasure. That's what he's telling the people who had just left the exile, coming back to the land. They don't see. They don't see what they were thinking that was going to take place. Remember, keep obeying the Lord. The book of Nehemiah filled with reference to remembering. You go home and read, just for example, Nehemiah 13. So many references to remember. The book of Psalms filled. If you have a concordance, you put there, remember. Go look at the word remember. Look at the Psalms. You're going to see how often the word remember is used in the Psalms. Psalm 77. Beautiful Psalm. The Psalmist is, is in despair. He's in depression. Until verse 11, when he remembers the Lord and everything changes. And as we come to the New Testament, the theme of remembering continues through the New Testament. Jesus comes as the one who will not forget the law of Moses. He will fulfill the law of Moses. Jesus remembers the word of his father. He obeys with covenantal faithfulness. Jesus is the demonstration. Jesus is the embodiment that God remembers his promises. You look at Jesus and you see that God is a God who remembers. Since Genesis 3.15 when he promised that the seed of the womb would come to crush the head of the serpent and rescue his people from their sins. And that's why writing the birth narratives, writing the incarnation narratives where Jesus is coming, the first things that we hear of Mary, Mary and Zechariah, for example, is to say that with the coming of Christ, God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers. So Mary sees the coming of Jesus as the fulfillment of God's memory. He remembered, he remembered his promises to the forefathers. Another example in the Gospels of remembering is Peter. In Matthew 26, verse 75, remember, by no means, Lord, I will never, I will never deny you. And then we have the rooster. And the third time he denies the Lord. And we read, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. What does it mean? The, Peter just said, oh yeah, Jesus was right. Actually, Jesus was right, I was wrong. Okay, let me go on with my day. No, to remember, to remember the words of Jesus leads to, and he went out and what? Wept bitterly. Repentance. He remembered the words of the Lord Jesus and he repented. Covenantal faithfulness. Here's an interesting one as we are moving through the New Testament. Paul says in Philippians 3, 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have laid hold of it, but one thing I do. One thing I do. That's my resolution. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. What does it mean to forget here? Does it, Paul, does it mean that Paul had amnesia and he forgot about his past? Paul cannot remember who's, who his father was, his mom was, where he was raised. Is that what Paul is saying? No, because if you read chapter 3, he just spoke about his past. A Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, the Pharisee of Pharisees. 
So he just gave his past. That means that he did not forget in the way that we speak about forgetting. But the forgetting here is a covenantal sense that I will not let my past take hold of me. My past will not affect my pursuit of Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. He just showed us that he did not forget in the sense that we think about forgetting because he just mentioned his past. What he's saying is, I will not let my past affect me. It's similar when we see the Lord saying that, when we talk about the Lord forgetting our sins, it's not that the Lord has amnesia. It means that he will not act upon our sins. Or Colossians chapter 4. That's a, a beautiful text. As we are coming towards the end of Colossians, Paul says, it's a command, remember my chains. Remember my prison. It's very similar to Hebrews 13.3, where the author of Hebrews says, remember those Christians who are in prison. What does he mean? Does it mean that Paul is coming towards the end of this beautiful letter to the Colossians and he's just telling the church, hey, whenever you feel like, just remember that I'm in prison. Is that what Paul is saying? Hey, I hope that sometimes you, you, you all will have some memory of me in chains. Here's a picture of me in chains. No, when he says, remember my chains, he's telling the church to join him, to support him, to love him, to pray for him, to join his efforts to spread the gospel. Remember my chains. Remember those who are in prison, meaning it's not enough to have the voice of the martyrs nap. What are you doing? It's not enough to have the, the open door, the voice of the martyrs magazine. How are you remembering those who are in prison? Meaning, are you praying for them? Are you interceding for them? Are you trying to help them? And as we come towards the end of the, the New Testament, Revelation ends also like the Bible began with remembering. So Revelation 2.5, Revelation 3.3, 3, the Lord commands the churches to remember. And the remembering is deeply connected with repentance. Revelation 2.5 to Ephesus, remember therefore from where you have fallen. And do what? Do nothing? No, repent. Repent. To the church in Sardis. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. So, we see this theme of remembrance from Genesis to Revelation. Very powerful theme. A God who remembers. We can say... The drama, this drama is a God who remembers. A God who remembers his covenant promises to his people. And at the same time, he remembers. He remembers the sins of those who have not repented of their sins. That's very important, brothers and sisters. Because the Bible ends with God remembering the sins of Babylon. Meaning he will judge. So that's the picture we have throughout the scriptures. A God, a God who always, always remember his promises. He always acts with fidelity, with chesed, covenantal faithfulness towards his promise. And we see that in Christ we are called to be, we are commanded to be a people who remembers. 
Our God is a God who remembers, and we are called to imitate God, Ephesians 4.1, be imitators of God. Therefore, you are supposed to be a people who constantly remember the goodness, the faithfulness, the kindness of our God. Amen? We are commanded in the scriptures to live forward by constantly going backwards. Our lives can only prosper when we remember and forget not the goodness of our God demonstrated on the cross of Christ. So all this leads us to the last part here. Worship, the Lord's Supper and remembering. Worship. Worship. What is worship? The basically idea, the basic idea behind worship is service. So when the Lord says that he will rescue Israel from the slavery of Egypt to worship him is the same word as to serve. To worship the Lord is to serve him. Why were we created? To worship him and enjoy him forever. To serve him. Only he alone is worthy of all our service, of all our adoration. Amen. So you think about worship is, is a covenantal duty and privilege that we have. But the Bible shows us that we cannot worship without remembrance. There is no worship without remembering. Ask the sons of Aaron. When they forgot God's commandments. Ask them if that worked with them to forget God. Ask them if the worship was like a, a sweet aroma in the Lord's nostrils. No, the Lord killed them. Apart from remembering who God is and what He has spoken to us, we cannot worship Him. There is no worship apart from biblical remembrance. Remembering the Lord, remembering who He is, treasuring Him, loving Him, obeying Him. I was thinking about today's Sunday, the Lord's Day. That's the first day of the week. And you think, think about every Sunday, every Lord's Day, we begin the week by going back. We begin the week by going back. Every Sunday, what are we doing here? We are remembering who God is. There's nothing new, brothers and sisters. It's always the same thing. What are we doing? Remembering and reminding one another of who God is, who we are in Christ, where the world is heading under the Lordship of Christ. Amen? It's so vital. The Sunday is a day of remembrance. Think about the hymns and the songs that we sing. Singing is a way to remember the mighty deeds of our God. The book of Psalms, filled with reference to remembering. Why? They're singing and they're speaking of the mighty acts and the mighty deeds of God in the past... Because by remembering the mighty deeds of God in the past, that will affect their present. We sing hymns that cause us to remember the faithfulness, the grace, the love of our God towards us. Why so many of us, as we are singing, there are tears in our faces? Why? Talk to me. Why some of you? I see some of you crying during the music. Sometimes I cry to you. Why do we cry? Why do we rejoice? Because they're remembering. 
You're bringing to mind and it's affecting our emotions, our affections. And we sing together. It's a community activity to remember God. We sing to one another. And sometimes some of you are going through a hard time and how delightful it is to join together as a brother or sister and just to hear his or her voice singing, singing to you the goodness of God, the faithfulness of our Lord. I wish that we would sing more to one another in this church. It's biblical, sing to one another. I wish we move more and go to somebody that you know that and just sing with that person. Sing to that person. Sing the truth of Christ, the truth of the Father, the truth of the Holy Spirit, the truth that God is for us. How about preaching? I don't bring anything new here. It's all the old paths. I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you of what God has spoken to us. Read 2 Peter. Peter said, I'm writing these things as a reminder to you. I'm writing these things as a reminder to you. I'm writing these things as a reminder to you. Why? Because that's what we need. We need to be reminded of who God is. I'm not going to come up here with new stuff. I have nothing new. I need to remind you of the old truth of God. Amen? How about praying? Praying for others. Praying for one another, praying during the service, it's another way of remembering who God is and His people. Through prayer, we remember, we truly remember our brothers and sisters. Y'all have the members here, y'all have the directory of the church with all the names. The last few Sundays, we got pictures of your families, you got a picture of my family. And the worst thing you can do is just to look at that picture and say, oh, that's a cute family. The best thing you can do is to look at those pictures, look at the director, and remember by praying for them, interceding for those families in the church. Amen? That's the power of remembering. Remember me, Paul says. Remember me. Oftentimes he talks about remembering the Philippians, the Ephesians in his prayers with thanksgiving. So, Eugene Merrill, he says, If worship is initiated by the God who remembers, it finds full expression in the response of God's people who also are called upon to remember. In fact, it's precisely in remembering that a basis for worship exists. For it's God and His works that must be brought to mind regularly and repeatedly as objects of contemplation and celebration. Hallelujah! We are not singing songs that make you feel good. We are not singing songs of how awesome you are. How great thou art, thinking that you're looking at the mirror and at yourself. No. We are singing songs of how great God is. Amen? Contemplation and celebration of His works, His attributes. But again, he says, Merrill says... But again, it's not recollection in the abstract. True worship demands participation by reciprocal act and even by reenactment. That's what we do in the Lord's Supper, reenacting. So that leads us to the point here that I want to talk about is the Lord's Supper. 
You think about the drama, the drama, the story of remembering, forgetting, finds an apex with Jesus. This whole story of remembering, forgetting, we can see finding a combination with Jesus hours before he died on the cross. And that's in Luke chapter 22. You have in your Bibles, you can open there, please. Luke chapter 22. And you see the Lord Jesus, he's going to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. The Passover feast was the most important feast in Israel under the Old Covenant. Because it was a celebration to remember the Exodus. The Exodus was the most important event in the life of Israel. The Exodus, the Passover, was a picture of a new creation. From death, from Sheol, from Egypt. To the mountain of God, dwelling with God. And the Israelites were commanded to remember this Passover every year. According to Exodus 12, 14, it was a memorial to remember. And the Passover, as you think about, as you're celebrating, there was a past aspect where the Israelites were thinking and remembering what God accomplished on their behalf. At the same time, there was a present reality because what God accomplished there, now they are free to serve the Lord. And there was a future aspect where they were hoping and longing for a better deliverance. Because that wasn't enough. And that was not the fulfillment. There was a greater exodus to come. And Jesus, in Luke 22, we have this... That's why he was either an egomaniac, or he was the Lord of all. Because he literally says, this whole Passover feast is about me. It's all about me. It's being fulfilled right now. And he changes now. He changes. You no longer need to celebrate that Passover. What you're going to be celebrating now is what I'm doing here with you. So you're going to remember, not the first Passover, but the true Passover that took place with me. So he says, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, it's given for you. Do this what? In remembrance of me. In remembrance, to remember me. You know, uh, some people get upset when I say that the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament. It's a memorial. Some people say, just a memorial. You believe that's just, like, remember Luther is Zwingli? Just a memorial. Oh, when you understand that you remember in the Bible is very powerful, we do not be adding the Roman Catholic idea of extra grace as a sacrament. It's a memorial. We are remembering. There's not a special grace. It's just like all that we do in the worship service. To remember is to be affected. What do we remember in the Lord's Supper? We remember the mercy and the grace of our God saving those who did not deserve to be saved. He humbles us. As we hold that cup and that bread, we should be humiliated before the Lord. I don't deserve to be saved. And yet you saved me. What do we remember? We remember that we were slaves of sin. Moses tells the people of Israel, Deuteronomy 15, 15, You shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. And that the Lord God redeemed you. I love what Spurgeon says. He says, 
Now, beloved, if the Jews, if the Jew was so carefully instructed to remember his deliverance out of Egypt, should not we also take heed to ourselves that we by no means forget or cast into the background our yet greater redemption through the precious blood of Christ, by which we were set free from the yoke and bondage of sin? So if they were so careful to remember the physical deliverance, how much more should we be careful to remember the greater spiritual deliverance that we have in Christ? And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, remember, remember that one time you Gentiles, all of us here, called in the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by flesh, meaning your heart needs to be transformed. There, there needed a surgery from the Lord in your heart. Remember that, and the Lord has accomplished that. Remember, he says again, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from his commonwealth of Israel. Remember that. Remember that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Remember that you were alienated from God, that actually you were under God's wrath. That's what we need to remember as we are partaking of the Lord's Supper. We are to remember that we are not our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to the Lord. We belong to His body. That's why it's a contradiction for Christians to be celebrating the Lord's Supper when they're not committed to the local church. It must belong to His body. You're bought with a price. You belong to Him. Remember. Remember. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord's goodness. Remember that we're still in this fallen body that we have. Some of us will go through Alzheimer's, dementia. And physically, we might forget the Lord. But remember that the Lord not, never, never forget His own. Even if we have Alzheimer's. And we cannot remember whom we serve. He never forgets whom he bought with his own blood. That's a great hope for Christians. So, in light of all that we have seen so far in this sermon, we must be a people marked by remembrance. We come today to the last day of the year, 2023, and we must stop and remember the goodness of God. Remember his faithfulness, not just in 2023, past, future, his goodness towards us. And there are things that happened in our life, maybe this past year, maybe in the past that we could forget. There are things in our lives that many of us wish we could not remember anymore. Painful situations. Some things that we did, something that people did to us that we wish we could forget in the sense of not having the memories anymore. But here is the importance of understanding this. You see that God does ne never erases our memory. We do not lose memory. Those things remain. Sins that I committed, sins that people committed against me, even though there was, when there was repentance and there was forgiveness, there's still the memory. 
situations, words, places. There are smells that brings memories to your mind of painful things. And we do not lose it. And we cannot lose the memory of those things because it helps us to remember, to remember who God is. Help us to remember who we are and who we were outside Christ. There are sins in our lives that we committed before Christ. That yes, we, sometimes we wish that we could not have the power to, and the ability to remember. But it's so important to remember those things. Because by remembering those things, we remember that God saved us and rescued us. He delivered us from that lifestyle. Remember, when the Lord promises, I will remember their sins no more. It's not that he has amnesia and suddenly he's, he cannot remember. It's that he's not going to be acting upon. So we do not forget the pain in order to not forget the crucified Lord. The memory of pain remains to teach us how to remember rightly. And part of remembering rightly is always bringing the memories to the Lord. And sometimes even painful things we are supposed to remember and bring to the Lord. We see throughout the scriptures, I call God, remember my enemies. Why? Remember my enemies. You judge them. Vengeance is yours, O Lord, not mine. There is a paradox in the Christian life that we cannot forget the past, yet we must forget the past, right? It's a paradox. We cannot forget the memories, but we must forget in the sense that those things cannot hinder us from pursuing Christ and growing holiness. So there's this paradox of, I cannot forget, and I have to forget. That's why you need to understand the, the meaning of the words. Meaning, I cannot have the loss of memory, but at the same time, I must forget in that I will not let those things Hinder me from pursuing Christ. The only hope, the only hope for this coming year and the next year and the following years and our future is the past. That's the only hope. Remembering what God has accomplished on our behalf. So I'll finish with Lamentations. Lamentations 3. As Jeremiah, he's surrounded by chaos, pain. You read the book of Jeremiah and it's just rated R. It's nasty. You talk about mom, mothers eating babies. We've got to understand what war is. You've got to understand the despair of being under siege and everything is burning and you have no food, you have no water, and the desperation. And he's surrounded by the chaos of the Babylonians destroying everything. And in the heart of lamentations, we read. Remember my affliction, my wanderings, the war mood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this what? But this I return to my heart. This I remember. This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The Hesed, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Here's the Christian truth. That hope is born in despair. Hope is born out of adversity. 
because that's when you look back and you can see the faithfulness of our God in Christ Jesus. I love what Riken says. He says, Jeremiah could never forget the bitter trials that he had faced. Yet before the weeping prophet fell into utter despair, he remembered God and his perfections. The God who had covenanted to, take, to care for Jeremiah was not a distant deity. In the process of remembering God's attributes, Jeremiah was drawn back into living fellowship and intimate communion with his faithful God. He did not merely list God's attributes. He praised God for them so that his theology became what? Doxology. Remembering God always leads to thankfulness. Forgetting God always leads to ungratefulness, bitterness. And we want to be a people marked by gratitude, thanksgiving. So may we always, always be resolved to remember the Lord, to remember His goodness, to remember His kindness, to remember His promise, to remember His word to us. Amen? Oh, Father, we bow ourselves before You. We praise you that you are God who remembers. You remember. You remember your promises. Oftentimes we think that you have forgotten us. But you cannot. That would be against your character, who you are. You are a faithful God. Full of mercy. Full of, full of chesed. Loving kindness. And we praise you for that, Lord. And we pray that you would help us. Help us to be a church that's constantly remembering who you are, what you want from us, who we are in you, Jesus. So please help us. Deliver us. Deliver us from spiritual amnesia, spiritual Alzheimer's, Lord. We don't want that. We want to be a people who constantly, constantly, Remember you by being faithful to you, by obeying you, by loving you, by treasuring you. So help us, O oh Lord. For the glory of your name we pray. And we ask your blessing as we, we prepare ourselves to partake of the Lord's Supper. This time to remember, to remember the goodness, power, mercy, holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.